welcome to our very first live edition of our new segment on the Crossboard Interviews. That is Point of Order, where we will be diving into some of the biggest topics of the week here on the Crossboard Interviews, and we'll be doing it live with a guest, and we'll be bringing her on here in a few seconds. But I want to just mention right off the top of the bat that this is live. Uh, you can watch it live Wednesday, but if you like to listen to the audio version, because it seems like more people like to do that, but we will be bringing more people here to YouTube. Uh, you can catch it every Friday at 8 o'clock. It will be a part of our regular rotation of the crossboard interview. So live Wednesday night from 7.45 to 8.30, 9 o'clock, depending on how long we like to chat. And then it will be the audio version of the show will be live or sort of released on Friday morning. So without further ado, I want to welcome on to our show for the third time. She is a friend of the show. I'm glad that she's willing to come on and talk politics with me for a few weeks. Uh, Miss Sarah Biggs. Sarah, thank you so much for doing this. This is an honor and a pleasure. Well, thanks for having me back. I'm glad I made it back on the rotation. <laughs> you will always be welcome back to the rotation because I'm always happy to have you on the show because you bring an insightful look to many issues that are uh, plaguing this province, this city, this country. Try. <laughs> you try, and that's all that matters. So... How this is going to work, for those who are listening to this on Friday, for those who are watching this now, is we, the, my guest Sarah and I, have discussed what we're going to talk about, and then we're going to dive into it. And this is going to be a little bit different than our traditional uh, politics segment that we do at the end of the month, because this is going to be a... Uh, cordial conversation between two people or more and we're going to discuss the issues and we're going to just be blunt about it from time to time we're not going to attack anyone we don't think that that brings anything to the political conversation but we will give our honest takes and that's all it is is our honest takes so sarah i'm looking forward to uh growing our budding media relationship that we have here into a ever evolving political relationship thanks Chris me too <laughs> so I, I we have to start off with the biggest news story not here in Canada but down south and that is the draft opinion by uh, the Supreme Court Justice Samuel Alito Overturning Roe versus Wade. Now, before we get into it, I want to preempt this by saying this is a draft opinion. It is not the law of the land yet. It is a draft that has been leaked to Politico, and it is the law of the land until the opinion is passed. So until then... Everything is the same, but we are seeing what is coming. I, I, I will be the man in the room by saying I have no comments on this because I believe I should be listening to people like yourself, Sarah, women across the land on their opinions. So, Sarah, when you heard this news, like everyone else Monday night, what was your first initial thought? I think the word that came out of my mouth was shit. Uh, so, so what we need to realize is that a lot that has been happening in the United States right now seems to be overflowing or spilling over in Canada, um, especially in the Western provinces. We're seeing that there's a shift between conservatism and populism. We're seeing that, uh, you know, the center is struggling to define themselves. The left is really trying to consolidate everything left of the center dial. It's... It's been a difficult week. So as you know, I'm um, the lobbyist um, on the case for Bill 17 for uh, the bereavement leave to include uh, individuals are experiencing a law, a loss of pregnancy. So it made our week a little bit more, a little bit more spicy, I would say. If we So what's happening right now is that Roe v. Wade is law of the land, but we need to remember, so Roe v. Wade is essential, but what's happening is that that law was based on privacy. It was not based on the right 
to have an abortion. So we need to keep that in mind. So since 1973, the conservatives or the GOP have been working extremely hard and placing their pawns um, to really try to align us and appoint as many judges as they can to be able to reverse Roe v. Wade. Now, what does that mean? It has multiple implications. I'm just going to give a little context for the United States. So there's, I would say, about a third of those states that um, do not have trigger laws. So, and the remainder of those states have trigger laws. So a trigger law is, it's unfortunately, it's very unfortunate that they name it that way, but it's a law that would explicitly ban abortion in states that have that law in place when Roe v. Wade would be reversed. So there's a lot happening right now. Um, So, you know, would the, so I don't call the, um, you know, and I would say that I call the pro-life movement pro-birth. They are not pro-life. They are pro-forced birth. No matter what happens to you, you are born to give birth to the child that has been conceived, no matter what the circumstances are, no matter what the issue is, no matter if um, the child will have, um, you know, major physical disabilities and all that. It does not matter. You are being forced to give birth to that child. So we're looking at a lot of states where there's low income, education is poor, women will be, um, you know, really impacted by this. They will, I would almost consider it like being, they would be held hostage of their own right to choose, their right to of choice by the states where they're going to be living. And there's always something that resonated with me with, um, you know, a lot of people miss Ruth Bader Ginsburg these days. And, you know, there's always something, there's something that she said when she appeared in front of the Supreme Court. And she said that she quoted, I ask no favor for my sex. All I ask is for our brethren to take their feet off our necks a lot of women in those states will not be allowed to breathe. They will not be allowed. We know that there's, um, you know, there's much, much, much increased risks um, with, um, you know, BIPOC women to complicated pregnancies, um, death after pregnancies, very post-birth complications, um, high-risk pregnancy. It's an extremely, extremely, a difficult issue to deal with, especially when you are in a country where healthcare is not accessible to all. Yeah, That's think- another layer yeah. we're facing with. So there's a lot of layers. So that's why we're at. It's not great. Um, you know, and the, uh, um, one thing that I heard over and over again since Monday was this isn't going to stop abortions. This is not going no. to stop abortions as much as people have, the people on the right might think that uh, abortions may end the day that Roe versus Wade gets overturned. It's all that it is doing is stopping safe abortions. And I know yeah. there's people probably going to listen to this or watch this or going to send me hate mail. I, I That's appreciate all. it. Send it to I me. I got some this way. Exactly. <laughs> I will file it away in the appropriate location, as I've done with all the other hate mail I've gotten over the few last few years I've done this show. <laughs> yeah, it's it's extremely difficult, and you know, especially when we're trying to push. So we are living in the most conservative province in the country, and especially when you are trying to. So the timing is odd, right before Mother's Day. Uh, the timing is odd for us because we are trying to get Bill Seven. 17 through the finish line. Um, It took a lot of work to explain on, you know, all loss of pregnancies are valid and we do not want individuals, birthing individuals to be impacted in the workplace. Um, You know, discrimination or retaliation or name it, anything that could 
negatively impact the employee. We just want to make sure that they feel empowered. It's like when you go to your employer, you're like, well, I have cancer. They're like, okay. They're not going to ask you what kind of cancer you have. They're yeah, going to let it I haven't met some of my, uh, my former employees. Well, then. maybe. <laughs> but usually it's like, I have cancer. It's like, oh, I'm so sorry. And then you you let the person disclose. Well, you know how it is. You let the person disclose if they wish to do so, right? We have that courtesy that we're giving to those individuals. So why would it be different from someone grieving the loss of a pregnancy? And I appreciate the work that you're doing with the organization that you're representing. Um, it is a challenge in a in a normal day with the news that was dropped on Monday. I can imagine your week went from being semi bad to, oh, crap, this is going to like shoot me in the foot here. <laughs> I would like to say that, you know, the the cat meme that just goes like this the gift yeah. the cat that goes like this yeah that's how i felt all week i was sick i was not feeling well my kids were sick and i was just like let's go let's um, do this but you mentioned at the top of the show and i want to dive a little bit into it uh, here um that what happens down the states has the tendency to spill over here in on uh, in canada and um that that is Seen relatively quickly, Tuesday morning, I think every progressive leader found the closest microphone that they could find and stepped up and they attacked the conservatives or a governing governing party. I have never seen more NDP liberal politicians find a microphone, find a microphone so fast than they did on Tuesday morning. But the flip side to that is. Candace Bergen, the leader of the opposition, the interim leader of the Conservative Party of Canada, released a statement to all caucus members of the Conservative Party of Canada saying, do not comment on this. Do not mention anything in a one sentence. It was obtained by CTV. And that didn't stop the leadership candidates from voicing their opinion on. uh, Mr. Dalton was the first one. Mr. Dalton, who is no longer a leadership candidate, was the first one to come out and say his opinion on it. Yeah, it was interesting. Um, you know, I, I was Do you monitoring. Think this, I'm going to ask you this question because I, you, I, as the as the liberal and conservative in the room and sort of the right mm-hmm. versus left here. Um, well, think- I'm. I think we're both center. I think you're. We're both center. I think we're both center with conservative tendencies. Exactly. While this is news today, the official uh, opinion will be released at the end of the Supreme Court term, which is in June or July. This is when conservatives are voting and getting their votes. Is it safe for all the conservatives now to come out and say what their position on Roe versus Wade is? Because we saw uh, Scott Atkinson, we saw John Charest, we saw Roman Babert, we saw Leslie Lewis come out with the kind of an announcement, but without an announcement because she says she doesn't want to talk about parental plan. Yeah. yeah. And then we saw John Charest come out saying he's pro-choice. He would uh, allow free votes, but he would always vote against it. Um, the only one who hasn't said anything and has not made any mention is Pierre Polyver. Um Now, with it being so far away from when uh, members are voting, would it not be easier for Pierre to just come out now and say something about it instead of waiting until Roe versus Wade is overturned in the States and then having to go on record in June or July when people are starting to vote? Or taking you know into consideration some candidates and starting to cross them off their list. So here's a thing that the Conservative Party, I personally believe, needs to understand is that there's more conservative women out there in favor of abortion than people could imagine. So 
I well, think you saw someone like uh, Michelle Rempel Gardner come out today, and I apologize for interrupting on, on this no, important no, issue. But you saw Michelle Rempel Gardner come out and gave a strong endorsement to say, we're going to fight uh, to my two daughters down in the States, uh, her uh, daughter-in-laws from her wet, uh, marriage. So this, I agree with you that there's more women, uh, conservative women out cool. there that are in the pro-choice uh, camp than the pro-life camp. We look at Kristen Raworth. We look at, um, you know, some chief of staff in the current UCP government. I'm not going to name them, um, but some chief of staff are, you know, for and supportive of abortion for the right reasons, I would say, um, which is any reason at all, really. It's a women's choice. I need to, sorry, I, I, I don't know why I need, I need, I, like, I feel to reiterate that. It's just so, such a basic concept that a lot of, um, male conservatives do not grasp. Um, it's going to be, I think it would have been wiser uh, for everyone to come up extremely strong on their opinion so we know what we are dealing with instead of trying to, you know, figure out what the back the backstage agenda is. Um, you know, I'm always, I'm someone that believes in, you know, it's important to come up strong and true to who you are, like Miss Lewis did this week. She presented a plan that was true to her views and her opinions. But hearing crickets on such an important issue, my dudes, I do not have good words right now for whomever's remained silent. It's unfortunate. It's extremely unfortunate. And the, it, at the end of the day, they think it's a political, probably a political calculation to stay silent instead of saying something. But, but it's uh, not. No, it's not. Because I agree. They think that they think that we do not follow what is happening, that we are not closely watching, but we are. Yeah. And, you know, if and we need to come to realization that if the conservative party wants to become electable again, they need to focus on issues such as environment, women issues, women's health, uh, trans rights, you know, LGBTQ2S+, everything. They need to upgrade to 2022 is what I would like to say. They need a serious software upgrade. If not, I'm worrying that with all, because uh, the hot topics right now are environment, women's health. Those are the two biggest topics right now in the news. Do you think that's true, though? Because I look at Twitter, and I know Twitter is an echo chamber of people yeah. just shooting their mouth off and hoping for the best. But do you honestly think that the average voter out there right now thinks that the top two issues right now are the environment and women's issues or not, or important issues. I shouldn't say no. top two issues because I think the top oh, no, I was right talking now. the top two issues in the news right now, the not news. the top two. Okay. Yes. Sorry. I should have specified in the news. Um, there's first nation, there's reconciliation, there's, yeah. you know, uh, federal transfer equalization. There's the list is about, five foot long but i would say in the news right now in current affairs um you know those two but a lot of conservative individuals i talk to are more and more interested into environmental issues and they're starting to click um you know i think that there's a click happening and people are like oh shit we really need to start doing something. We're going to have our conservatives, conservatives that, you know, no matter what happens, doesn't matter. We need to take the oil out. But I think that it's becoming more tamed and a more poised conversation, I would say, less triggering, more thinking. And really, we're starting to be able to have a really, really interesting conversation what's happening. While I'm just cautious of time here, I just want to make sure that we talk about the big subject, and that is the conservative yeah. leadership race. Um, yes. We've mentioned them already a bit here, but I want to dive into a little bit about the candidates. There are six yeah. candidates. I think there was at one time 15 or 13, or there was a large amount of people running. 15 and 2017, I believe, and okay. 14 and 2019. 
if I'm not mistaken. Okay, well, I, well, there was four in 2020, 2019, everyone and their mother seemed to, 2019, everyone, or 2017, everyone and their mother seemed to have ran, but 2021, yeah. there are six candidates. They are Perry Sand Muskoka MP Scott Atkinson. If I'm pronouncing his name wrong, I do apologize right now. Former Ontario Independent MPP, because the writ was called, so therefore he's no longer an MPP in the province of Ontario, uh, Roman Baber. Uh, we have MP for Haldeman North Fork, who is Leslin, Dr. Leslin Lewis. MP for uh, Carlton, yes, uh, Pierre Polyver. Former Quebec Premier John Charest, and I'm just trying to make sure I got them all. And Brampton Mayor Patrick Brown, yes. former Mr. Conservative Brown. MP. Um, now, I have tried to make it out to every single event that a leadership candidate has had here in the in the in Calgary. The only one who I haven't is because he flew in and then flew out was Patrick Brown. But I am finding this leadership race. I'm kind of. I'm going to say this, and I'm not. Kind of, I'm not. I'm not trying to be rude to anyone. It's kind of a dud. And that's just me. I'm a political observer and I'm watching and I'm going, okay, I'm seeing Pierre do his thing. I'm doing, I see John Charest doing his stuff. Scott doesn't seem to be doing much on social media. I don't think he's doing events west of Ontario until he gets out here for the leadership yeah. uh, debate on uh, the 11th. Patrick Brown has got this fly under the radar, not talking to media concept. And Roman, God bless him. He came up to me when I was at his event and he shook my hand and he was so happy to see me. And Leslin Lewis, she brought out the crowds. What's your initial take on this leadership race? It's early. It's still so early. Everybody, so here's, everybody's like, oh, Podiev is bringing the crowns, he's bringing this and bringing that. But if we are looking at the at the numbers, if we are looking at the fundraising numbers, the advantage Mr. Poriev has on Jean Charest is about $55,000 right now mm-hmm. as of March for Q1. So as of March 31st. So there's going to be like two more months added to the. And John Charest like, was only a candidate for two weeks in March. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Jean Charest took forever to announce. One day it was going, the other day it was not. Everything was always pending. It's, you know, it was like, you just sit back and you wait. That's what happens because um, I know for a fact that Mr. Charest's spouse is um, has a big presence in his political life decisions and he respects his um his wife's mrs Shaw's opinion which is i think is great um and that's how you know how things should work in a partnership when somebody wants to run or you know do something but it took forever mr Poryev probably worked in the background for a while so he announced like as soon as the the trigger was cold. I don't think the body was cold of Aaron O'Toole, but before he announced, like it was Tuesday, no. Aaron O'Toole got kicked out. Saturday, he went, hey, guys, I'm running. Wait, what? Yeah. So it's going to be to see, going to be too interesting to see what is going to happen with his race, um, because we all know that he removed himself from the 20, was it 2020? 2020, yes, 2020, both Sheree and Polyver, Polyev, Polyev? Decided to Polyev. Polyev. Um, both Polyev. had literally, if I remember the day that they were both going to announce, because if I'm not mistaken, it was the exact same day or day, like Sunday Pierre was going to announce, Monday John was going to announce. YouTube leaked the video of John Sheree announcing he was running. Pierre yeah. had like the venue booked. He had every, he had the signs made. And then he said, no, I'm not going to run. And then this kind of seems like it's the race that we should have got in 2017, to be honest. <laughs> So, you know, there's a lot of talk, but what's important is always to keep an eye on the financials and on the numbers. So, you know, Mr. Poliev attracts a certain type of conservatives. Mr. Charest attracts another one. Um, Miss Lewis attracts another crowd in the conservative spectrum. Everybody has their own niche. 
So what is going to happen is that I'm suspecting that, you know, so it is early in the race. It does advantage some candidates and disadvantages some candidates might be losing some steam, might be some might be gaining steam as well. Because let's remember, we're May, June, July, August, we're five months away from the vote almost at the day. Yeah. So and we don't have any debates yet. But what's going to be interesting this time is that there is only six candidates. There's not going to be 14 plus Maxim Bernier just really trying to try to make a point within 25 seconds because there's so many people on stage that you can't really have, you know, a formed opinion voiced during a debate. So it's going to be very interesting to see what is going to happen next week. So I'm saying it's early. It might be look like a dud right now, but I think that the campaign is going to be gaining steam. Like I would say usually a typical voter starts paying attention 10 to 14 days before an election comes. So what we're going to see is that in August, July, August, that's when the train's going to really be gaining some steam and we're going to see some serious because we're not going to be dealing with, um, you know, federal election in Alberta. There's in theory, there shouldn't be an early election, but we don't know. There's a leadership review coming up and God knows what's going to happen after. Then we have the Ontario election and it's going to be uh, in a month. And then Quebec is going into election, but only in October. I believe it's uh, October 2nd, their election is. So all of September, their election is going to be called. So everyone's going to be looking at what's happening in Quebec. And this is what I found interesting about what's happening with this leadership race. This is going to be a very fly under the radar leadership race because the membership cutoff ends in June for when you have to buy a membership to vote. The, The Ontario election is going to take out all attention from any conservative leadership candidate over the next four weeks, which is going to hurt a lot of the candidates who are relatively unknown. And by that, I mean the sort of the lesser known candidates, the one who aren't on the names like Patrick Brown, John Charest, Pierre. Yeah. So that's going to hurt them in the long run. Then it's going to the hurt s- only in Ontario. Do you think so? If they're smart, they're going to be working out West yeah. while the Ontario thing is happening. If their strategists are smart about it, but that's not a debate. But, but, but if the I thing was, is, yeah. you can't win the leadership without Ontario and Quebec. So you kind of need yeah. to be in Ontario and Quebec because for those who don't know, the, the way that the conservatives vote is yeah. they divide all 338 ridings up into 100 points each based on how many memberships yeah. you have. If your your elect if your riding has 20 uh, members, you have 100 points. And if your riding has 20,000 members, you still get 100 points. They add them all together. It's a very weird concept. It's the strangest uh, leadership election I've ever heard, barring the conservatives in UK, but that's here nor there. I, You need Ontario and Quebec to win the leadership race. You cannot win with just on Alberta, Saskatchewan, and part of BC. So it's kind of disadvantaging the, in, like the bigger names who want to go in and sell <laughs> memberships, right? Because I'm, yeah. if I'm Doug Ford, I don't want any of those leadership candidates coming into my into my province during this uh, election because you're going to be taking the house. Yeah, if you take it that way, sure, one hundred percent. But I'm thinking, you know, after the campaign, well, after that as well, um, you know. But during the campaign, so that's why you need to be extremely well organized on the ground. So I know for a fact that that there are some campaigns right now that have there's prices for the writing that sells the most memberships this week. There's writing, you know, there's people. So there's a lot that we do not see. That is the organization part. So you're going to have a provincial, a national organizer. Then you're going to have provincial organizers. Then you're going to have writing local volunteers are going to be making sure to try to sell as many memberships as you can. So it's going to be interesting to see how, I don't think it will fully disadvantage them. I think it will give them so, because 
the leader doesn't really sell the memberships. Sure, they're going to have a table, buy your membership, give us 10 bucks, off we go. But the real ground game is at the organization level with every writing. So we're going to see what's going to happen. But I know that some campaigns, they have well over 500 volunteers right now, which is quite a bit. So some campaigns are better organized than others. So, But if the conservative leaders are smart, they're going to try to focus on the West because we do not know what is going to hit us in a little bit. And then they're going to go back to Ontario and Quebec. I would say June, July, August, they're going to be focusing. We're not going to see them here. They're going to be working their ground game over there. But yeah, they're they're selling memberships right now. The memberships number have not really come out yet, but I'm hearing that they're not extremely no they're not spectacular like a lot of people are pretend like there's it's slow well i can tell you i have gone to five of the six leadership candidates uh events here in the city of california over the last month and as you go in you have to sign your name in and ask they ask you for your email and i thought okay well i'm coming in just in case i'll put my email address down because it's always great to see what people send you i've never gotten more membership requests from every single email from every single party because they are trying and with the way that the world works right now of the voter apathy and volunteer apathy a bit it's hard to get people engaged so you have to hit them where they count like i got one from here's camp today i got one from roman yesterday i got one from john shrey's the day before that it seems like every day it's like who am i gonna get tomorrow is it gonna be like patrick browns no because he hasn't sent one email to me (laughs) yeah it's brown's campaign is a little different it's very under the radar kind of vibe right now which is quite spectacular um but you know we need to remember that it doesn't matter how many people you have at your rally it doesn't mean they're gonna buy vote it doesn't mean they're gonna make donations everything happens in the background I'm so happy you said so, that. I just had a conversation, and it's coming out on Monday. The yeah. the leader of the CEO of Take Back Alberta is doing a tour of across Alberta right now, where he's talking to Albertans to say buy membership yeah. in the UCP and vote prior to the April eighth uh, change. And he said it's 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 surprising that how many people have memberships in parties is very low compared to what you would think. So the people who are actually making the decision of who the next leader of the Conservative Party is going to be is probably like 1% of the population. And of that 1% who buy memberships, about 75% of those will actually get out and vote. And that's the voter apathy issue that the Conservatives have to deal with as well because you can bring all the rally members you want, but unless they don't like actually buy a membership and vote, that rally means jack squat. <laughs> well, and also you can sell a million memberships in Alberta. It won't guarantee you more seats. And that's something that a lot of people, I I feel like sometimes a lot of people are missing that point is that, okay, you're strong out West, but if you're dead squatting a 905 and Quebec won't listen to you, you're dead in the water. So there's a very fine balance. It's great to sell memberships, but you need to be strategic on where you want to sell your memberships too. You want to sell more memberships in Quebec and Ontario. Alberta, if you sell 40,000 or 500,000, it's not going to make a difference. It's not going to give you more elect. You're not going to be more electable as a party if you're extremely strong in Alberta because we have the same amount of seats and it's not going to change. I agree so. wholeheartedly. Actually, that's untrue. I can't agree with that because the Elections Commission is coming out with their recommendations for 34 seats in the province of Alberta. So we are technically gaining two seats here. So woo, two extra seats. We Amen Who's conservative is going to get elected next? That's my question. True that. Hey, unless they split up Calgary Skyview, might get two liberals. Who knows? Um, 
but I want to stick close to Ontario here because I think we've talked yeah. about, hey, I, I live in Skyview, so I'm willing to chat about, hey, if we split up that rod, you could get two liberals. You might make a dent into people being pissed off at two people instead of one in the province, in the city of Calgary. So it's all good. Um, <laughs> hey, I can say that I ran for the liberals once. Let's talk about uh, the 905, the GTA, Ontario. We talked about Doug Ford a little bit, but I want to stick on that because that is the big political news across the, the country right now is Ontario is heading to an election on June 2nd after not surprisingly months of delays and waiting until the very last minute to call the election. Doug Ford is going to elect the uh, going to the voters to ask for a second mandate under the m- mantra. Get it done with Doug Ford. Don't know. Who Get her done. Get her done, as uh, Larry the Cable Guy would say. Maybe that's what they're trying to do. There you go. Then Stephen Del Duca should come out with the here's your sign from Bill Angville. And then Andrew Horvath, you know you're a redneck when. See, it all works. Get the blue-collar comedy tour back together on the Ontario election campaign. Mike Schneider can be Ron White getting completely shit-faced drunk. It's awesome. <laughs> this is what we talk about at 8.30 at night. <laughs> Uh, now, so what's fascinating with Ford is that he has managed to create a brand for himself and dissociate himself from the conservatives. Exactly. So there's, it's fascinating that I, the dude is able to dissociate himself from his party. Fascinating. It's not because the when progressive you think, conservatives. It is the Ford Party. It is the, it is what the is Ford, it, like Ford, Ford Nation. Nation. There you go. It's Ford Nation. So when you look at Trudeau, well, them liberal, or he's a liberal. When you look at the CAQ, or you look at Charest, you're like, oh, well, that dude was a liberal, but in theory, he's conservative. But that's a discussion for another week. We'll talk um, about that in a few weeks if you want. Yeah. Um, if you look at, you know, in BC, and, all, and if you look at Jason Kenney, well, like, well, he's the UCP. <laughs> it's fascinating on how much of a difference there is in polling favorable to Doug Ford and favorable to the PC. It's fascinating. The guy is really, really good at marketing himself. We Does, will give him that. So, yeah. You are uh, relatively uh, well-known in conservative circles. You have talked to conservatives. You have conservative friends. Mm -hmm. I have conservative friends as well. But my conservative friends are more on the, hey, we voted conservative once and that's it. That's how they're conservatives in that sense. I want to ask this question because you've watched the last two federal elections. Andrew Scheer and Aaron O'Toole both told Doug Ford to take a hike. Do not pop your head out. During the election. They, they put him in hiding. For exactly. 40 days. Does yeah. Doug Ford turn around and say that to the leadership candidates who are running in for their leadership and say, take a hike? I asked you this. I, I sort of mentioned it beforehand, but I want to ask you point blank because I think he's going to. I think he's I think he's pissed off at the federal conservatives because they are not pulling well in. Well, they're pulling well. Uh, nationally, but not in Ontario. And They're pulling well. Exactly. The, the more They're votes you get in Alberta doesn't mean you get the more seats you get across the nation. So let's just be honest there. I agree well, with that. Let's see. You know, with the representation and, uh, you know, the distribution of, um, you know, calls here when you're doing a poll, if you're if you have 40 percent of the calls are being made in Alberta, your results will be skewed. Right. No, understandable. And I appreciate that. But I want to know, because I think he's going to I think he's probably told all the campaigns to lay low, do not try. And this is why they'll come out to Western Alberta, Canada to uh, sort of shore up support out here. And it's a show. It's Ford Nation. He went through extremely difficult two two years with, uh, you know, the long-term care facility, COVID fiasco. Um, Kids are super sick right now in Ontario. Uh, Flip-flopping on uh, restrictions. Really trying to get her done, but, you know. He'll get it done through two. You see that the guy really wants to do something, but he's kind of trying to hold out into his 
conservative belief that smaller government, less implication, personal responsibility and whatnot. So the guy, the guy's all about customer service. This guy's brand is customer service. He wants his electors to be happy. And I think that's why he's trying to dissociate himself so much from the PCs. It's because he sees himself. It's like the president of the United States. He is a Democrat. He is a Republican, but he is his own person. Right. So it's going to be interesting to see how as a party, how they're going to be polling in two weeks and how as a premier he is going to be polling in two weeks because the dude it's got that one right. We got to give him customer service and dissociating himself from his own party is quite a flex. So it's going to be, I, I think he's going to tell them to go pound sand and be like, no, you know what? This is my show right now. You ask me to sit the ones out before. Do me a favor. He's, because he's we probably don't really more know. popular than John Schrey, Pierre Polyver, all the leadership candidates who are running for the Conservative Party in Ontario. Because... Let's be honest, and this is where I think yeah. I, I will call uh, call it out. The, the 2018 election was not Doug Ford's win. It was, yeah. we hate Kathleen Wynne so much, we want her out no matter who is the uh, who is the choice. There was chances yeah. that we had Andrea Horvath as premier right now, but more people said, you know what? We liked Rob Ford as much as he was kind of scandal-ridden. We liked him. But we like Doug as well, so we'll give Doug a chance because it's the conservative brand and he seems like he's a straight shooting guy who is willing to tell me exactly what he's going to do, even though we don't believe him. Well, what's what's interesting right now is that the progressive have a massive issue right now and they're splitting the vote. I know everybody hates talking about vote splitting, but if you do the math, it would get 54 percent of the vote if they would create an alliance and the PCPO would get 37%, you know, which is not that great. Um, but I, the thing is that with Ford right now, I do not know, I'm not able to pinpoint who he aligns with more. I think he's waiting and see to see how everything's going to play out in his own backyard before you start getting involved at the national level. But we need to remember that Ford's a conservative, but Ford is not a conservative. He is not a regular conservative. He's not a, you know, uh, like Brian Jean or, you know, Jason Kenney or Michelle Rempel. Uh, Ford decided one day, announced out of his mom's basement and wanted to run and he got it done. So Ford is not the norm. So it's going to be extremely interesting to see. But right now, the progressives are just, you know. I, I agree. The liberals and the NDP are in disarray right now. Stephen DeLuca yeah. is not a well-known entity in Ontario. I worked at Queen's Park. I don't remember him. And that tells you something about his, uh, like his personality. He's not remarkable. He doesn't create memories. He doesn't spark joy. He doesn't create. So what we need to remember too, is that leaders, leaders need to leave an impression and leaders need to create emotions. So when you're not able to reach and have that emotional language food like and that creates strong emotions like taglines um then you're at a very 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 strong disadvantage against your adversaries and mr ford once again like his buck beer thing everybody was laughing at him yeah and then we're seeing the lips are trying to do the same thing with a bucket transit yeah so you know, the, the guy created a branding. He created a way to get it done. And some people are trying to replicate it. And I think it's going to backfire on them. I agree wholeheartedly. Doug Ford is a unique entity. There's not a lot of politicians who are like uh, Doug Ford in this country. Or but also, also Doug Ford announced the creation of an EV plant. You know, he's being more progressive dog for it is a mystery 
And he's so well. The right, fact like, that like I I could not imagine Jason Kenny and Justin Trudeau standing side by side without the grimaces that they had on during that uh, ten dollar day daycare. Like when Doug Ford and Justin Trudeau were standing side by side for the EV announcement in Windsor on Monday, a day before the election call, they looked like they were like good old friends. They had just they hadn't seen each other in a few weeks. They're like, hey, buddy, what's up? Like Doug. Anyway, Probably invited him to have a beer after or have some cherry pie at his cottage or something, right? The guy has an image of a good guy, and he's so Doug Ford right now is trying to represent that he's trying to do what is right for the province. They had to shit a year, they were way over their head, and he kind of recognized that it recognizes that too. So, you know, with Christine Elliott not running and, and there's a lot of his entourage is going to be changing. So, but Ford wants to have the image of the good guy. But again, the 413 announcement is a little sketchy, but that's a conversation for another day. Um, that would just but, be a whole you know, hour in itself, but that would not yeah, go over well. <laughs> it's it's, it's but, interesting. So... I think he's going to go in again. Oh, I think so too. I think I think he's he going to win. I think the Liberals are going to gain some seats. I think the NDP are going to lose. It's not going to be as big as a big of majority as it is right now, but. I, I'm looking forward, uh, as people have been tuning into the crossword interviews with Chris Brown, Monday to Friday, 15 days a month, um, we are going back in the uh, second last week before the election, and we're going to be uh, crisscrossing the province, and we're going to be talking to some of the candidates. We've lined up interviews. We're going to be live streaming some of that. So please tune in, because we're going to give some reports on the ground, and it's going to be fun, fun, fun. Um, but I want to end on the biggest, on, on, on some news close to home. We are now in May. We are now May 4th, 14 days away from the leadership review of Jason Kenney. Mm -hmm. The last few weeks has not gone over well for Jason Kenney and the UCP. And we have seen MLAs come out and publicly, publicly call for his resignation. Peter Guthrie, uh, Red Deer North, I forget the gentleman's name, who is the MLA. That tells you how much he has made an impression on me over the last three years. Um, uh, I don't. Oh, my God, I don't know. Exactly. It's Stephen. Yeah, Stephen something. I don't know his last name. Um, and we have seen the president of Calgary Hayes, Rick McIver's writing, resign. Very close ally to Jason Kenney saying he doesn't have faith in the party anymore. Leela here. Leela here. Richard Godfrey. If you look at the legislature, legislative seating plan, which I did the moment that they got back, Brian Jean, uh, Grant Hunter, Leela here are all by each other in the back left-hand corner. Like, to me, that is the greatest spot to be because I would just love to be a fly on the wall back there just to hear the conversations as Jason Kenney stands up and talks and just listening to him probably yeah. boo or, like, mean girls it. They're there. They're there. Um, but it's going to be fascinating to see what is going to happen because we need to remember that a lot of people... So there was there was that kind of movement that people kind of went in being like, hey, I'm going to buy a UCP membership to vote Kenny out. So the numbers are inflated. Yeah. The membership numbers are so huge. So it could go both ways. So it is fascinating because people became UCP members in spite of their leader because they don't see the light at the end of the tunnel. So, you know, voters of this province kind of took it to their own hand and said, hey, you know what? Maybe we should just buy a membership, get it done. It's going to be interesting. Vitor has been extremely vocal recently. Um, there's a lot, you know, Nila here has been extremely vocal. More and more people are kind of trying to... A lot... Of, so here's the thing. A lot of people are getting closer. And a lot of people are getting more distance. So it's going to be interesting to see what is going to happen. I don't have a, my crystal balls broken. 
I yeah. think he's going to win it. I think our crystal ball both broke on the day the by-election was called in uh, Fort McMurray, uh, Lac La Biche, and we both were wrong on how close or how far apart it was going to be. Because I think I made a very stunning, incorrect uh, statement, and you looked at me and said, it's going to be closer than that, or it's going to be further away than that. And I was like, nope, it's going to be very close. It's going to be like 30 to 20, and not even close. So what is, what's going to be interesting? So to me, like it was a dead cannon table when uh, <laughs> they put in mailing ballots. That that was the one that really did it for me. So we're going to see what's happening. Um, we are starting to see who is extremely loyal to the premier and who is not so much. So it's going to be too interesting to see what's going to be happening after to see uh, what the aftermath of the leadership review will be. I have a theory, but I'm not sure I'm ready to process it. <laughs> so there are many options that are, and I, I'll, I'll, I'll grill them, everyone who's listening to this on Friday or right now or later on, on Thursday or yeah. later on. I will grill her and release it via Twitter what she said to me. Joking, I won't, because I respect everyone. <laughs> Um, because there's many options that are potentially good. There's many, many solutions or many uh, scenarios that are playing out right now. Jason Kenney wins. Big majority win. Jason Kenney wins with a very small minority or majority, like 51, 50 to 60 percent to me is a small majority win. Anything above 60, he I think he has a relatively good confidence of the party and he can move forward. Anything yeah. below, well, anything below 50% is a fail. And he ha- he doesn't technically have to step down as premier, but he has to step down as leader of the party, according to their constitution. For those who want to just say, no, he doesn't have to step down. It's true. He doesn't have to step down as premier. He can stay on as premier, but that'd be a very big constitutional crisis that we have on our hands there. Yeah. <laughs> Never the other one is he loses... But he doesn't accept the results. And so, go ahead. He he didn't say that he was going to respect the results. <clears throat> I think he said he was um, going to respect the fact that we were supposed to have a, a vote on April 9th. I think it's May. Now. <laughs> so May, whatever. So I, yeah. I think he will there's respect it, but there's all these there's different a history. Yeah, there's a history of he's something is going to be said, something's going to be planned, and then oops, <laughs> it's uh, not happening anymore. So uh, there's a few there's a few scenarios. So he wins below seventy five, and the party kicks him out because they could judge that it's not strong enough. Do you remember what Klein got? Do you know what Klein got in his review when he got sort of not turf, but I thought it was like 55%, wasn't it? But I I know that Redford got 77 she stepped down. But she stepped so down bar- after there was a few scandals around Redford that were going yeah, on. Yeah, well, there's a few scandals happening right now, you know. Well, there, you there's about? a lot. Jason Kenny's Teflon. He can't get hurt. He can, he can go drink with Jason. Water on the box back. Just, oh, Jinx monsooning but- it, are we? <laughs> Um, but it's there's so many things that could happen we could see a lot of people let's say if he wins with 65 68 70 percent a lot of people could cross the floor or he would think that you know he really wants the team of his team of loyalists he could call a snap there's so many things that could happen it's gonna be a fun few weeks i'm gonna leave on this question because this is the question i've been pondering to myself for the last few weeks i again going back to that conservative leadership race yeah the federal one I've been to the majority of the events that have been held in the city. I think I missed one, Grant Abrams, who's no longer a candidate, but the major candidates who have been here, I've uh, been at the events. Not one of them, not one, mentioned Jason Kenney. In the 2020 leadership race, Jason Kenney's endorsement of Aaron O'Toole put Aaron O'Toole in a front-rider position against Peter McKay. 
This time, the candidates seem like they are so... Who is Jason Kenney? I don't know who Jason Kenney is. If Jason Kenney wins the leadership race or review, do all the candidates come out west because of the Ontario election and embrace them like they've never embraced a, a premier ever? Because, Or does Jason Kenney no longer have the sway in federal politics that he once did in 2020? Jason Kenney is not the man he used to be 10 years ago. And Jason Kenney is not the man he was six years ago. Um, he's, I would say that, you know, when I said that, you know, a lot of conservatives right now are str- struggling with their conservative identities, if they're more conservative, rhetorists or populists, um, because let's be honest, we are dealing with some serious populism in the province right now. Um you know, he might not be the flavor of the week anymore. He might not be the kid that, that you know, that has the midest touch and that everything he touches turns into gold. So it's going to be interesting to see what is going to happen and which. So I, I've heard a rumor that Mr. Poitiev was supposed I don't know if it's true, but Jason Kenney was waiting on an endorsement from, you know, a candidate and it never happened. Um, I'm wondering if... Uh, currently right now, Mr. Kenny is too controversial. I'm not going to say problematic, but controversial. And, uh, you know, aligning with him pre, uh, you know, uh, leadership writ could be risky. So it's going to be interesting to see what is going to happen after. But I can tell you that there's a lot of conservatives that will be extremely frustrated and things might not end up the way we think they might end up. So it's going to be TBD. You, I'm glad you said that because I want to end on this note. And that is, I was at the Pierre Polyev event and I was at the Les and Lou's event. There was two people there with the say yes to Kenny buttons on their lapel pins, which was the say yes, we want to keep Jason Kenny. Okay. The amount of attention that they got from the attendees was mind-blowing and it wasn't in the positive people coming up and saying why would we say yes to jason kenny what has he done for us so on and so forth and i i it, that's what brought me to that question that i asked is because are people are conservatives just holding their breath right now and hoping that this gets resolved on the 18th and just just expecting that everything everyone's going to get together and be united again or are people going to be divide it more than they are right now heading into the leadership review and i'll end on that question with you so right now so i'm just gonna go back a few months uh back in october i would say um a friend of mine and i went to uh UCP leadership and when they realized uh, the UCP convention and when they realized who we were, they ran after us and revoked our media passes. But that's the story for another day. Um, so, and there was a lot of people working the crowd with the yes for Kenny button. Yes, we support the leader. A lot of people were saying, nah, man, thanks. So I would say that Jason Kenny is one of the rare conservative leaders that has been to be able to polarize both sides of, both sides of conservatism. He's pissed off the populace and he's pissed off the centrists or the red Tories. So. Yeah. We shall see. We, we shall see. Um, I want to do a, Quick plug here for myself and for the show uh, before we wrap up with Sarah, and that is uh, May is Brain Tumor Awareness uh, Brain Tumor Awareness Month across Canada and around the world. Uh, we have pledged that all donations to the show during the month of May will go directly to the Brain Tumor Foundation of Canada. It is a great organization. On June 11th, we will be doing a big walk virtually, which means that we will be starting a walk on June 11th, and we will see wherever we get to raising money along the way to help find cures for people struggling with brain tumors as you might know as you if, if you've listened to the show before if you will listen during the municipal campaign i've been struggling with a brain tumor for a few uh well f- i can say a few years now that's daunting in the end of the day um i would highly recommend if you have five dollars ten dollars two dollars dollar 
donate to the the Brain Tumor Foundation uh, of Canada. The links will be in the show notes. Highly recommend you do. Um, But Sarah, uh, this is our first of many conversations that you and I are going to have here. Uh, As I said at the top of the show, we are going to be bringing on some great guests to come on the show and be grilled by Sarah and I over the next few weeks, few months, few years uh, about what's going on in the political realm in their party in their uh, writing, in their constituency, and we will have other political pundits join us as well from time to time. So, Sarah, uh, my last question. Uh, What are you looking forward to next week? Anything in particular on May 11th? (laughs) Uh, I'm going to be in Ottawa. uh, In Ottawa. Good God, I'm tired. (laughs) I'm going to be in Edmonton covering. um, So I'm going to be doing uh, coverage from... French CBC for French CBC. I'm going to be doing some uh, videos with French CBC about the conservative leadership debate. And then the day after, we're going to be filming a series on the environment. So it's going to be, um, you know, conservatives and the environment. So I'm looking very much forward to it. It's going to to be great. Awesome. And next week, next Wednesday, we will be live right after the leadership. Yes, leadership debate. Uh, Sarah will try to join us. We do have a few other uh, commentators who are going to be yeah. coming on Point of Order on May 11th. Point of Order on May 11th. Yeah, that's right. That's a really tongue twister. Yeah. Um, Sarah, as always, a pleasure. The links to her Twitter and social media pages are down below. So please check them out. For everyone here at the Cross Border Interviews with Chris Brown, this has been the first inaugural episode of Point of Order live on YouTube, released via audio on Friday. Talk to you later, guys. Bye.